0: Joe Biden's mental capacity was a strip club, <laughs> what are the girls wearing? <laughs> are they fully? Are they almost fully dressed? A are jogging they, suit. I mean, are they? Are they full? I mean, are they showing any skin at all, or, or are they just? Yeah. I think they're walking out there fully dressed. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hola, mis amigos. You're listening to Oh my God! Hi, hijo de Dios. Hola, with me, George Lopez, porque sabe que, let's do the show, porque está aquí a la de ti, let do I gotta go to that dry cleaner ahí, by Kid Phelps, se pegó la cabeza y I gotta go get some, neo, spore, and paul.
1: You know who George is? Oh, I'm sure he's around here somewhere.
2: What's his name? George. Lopez. George Lopez. Oh my
0: God. OMG. OMG. Hi. Oh my God, Hi.
2: Listening to all of your podcasts and they're good. Thank you. I love it. We throw caution to
0: the wind here. We we don't, (laughs) no.
2: Oye, I can barely hear George. Can you crank up the freaking sound? Luis, Luis, me escucha. Súbeme la mierda esa. (laughs) So I'm alone. No
0: no puedo escuchar casi nada. Okay, ahora. George, dame dame un Uh, un 10 count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yes! uh, I'm here with Gil Carrillo. Hola. Gail. Yes, sir. How are you, my friend? I'm he, doing uh, well. Gail was uh, one of the detectives that uh, was, um, what is it, uh, in capturing the night stalker, Richard Ramirez. Cogno. Yes. Really? That,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my case. As a matter of fact, I was just back in Miami uh, two weeks ago talking to the cops over there, uh, giving them a lecture on the case.
2: My brother's a cop. That's cool. God bless him. Good for him. Good yeah. people back there. Yeah, Yo Meng. Next time you come into Miami, give, I'll give you my number. Give me a call. We we've got a, we've got a really cool little ranch here. We got horses and shit like that. It's really fun. Oh, that'd we be have great. A time out thank
1: here, you. So thank you for the
0: invitation. And, um, 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 um what? Uh, where where has television gone news wise? <laughs> mi amigo. Let me say something.
2: It, it, it's it's a rough. Are we? Did we start? Are we going? I think we started. Yeah, yeah. We're, yeah. Did we introduce
0: him? Oh. Introduce Rick. Uh, okay, great. Rick world okay, was so one of my favorites. I used to watch him on About CNN, and I think, uh, yeah, yeah. Joining Every us today day. on the podcast, we've got uh, journalist, radio host, author, and host of the Rick Sanchez News Podcast, Rick Sanchez. Thanks, guys. You it's know, it's an honor. Um, there's, there's. Have you ever seen a? I mean, I'm sure in, in maybe in, uh, uh, in some other uh, third world countries, uh, seen a country so divided. When it comes to news, no, it's dangerous
2: what's going on right now. We're uh, living in two completely different silos, what? and the people over here don't know what the people over here are watching, and the people over here don't know what the people over here are watching, and and it, and it's absolutely crazy, um, and it's dangerous as hell. And you know, my friend Saul Trujillo, he's my partner in this thing, and he always says, "I
0: feel like there's like people are like talking about a civil war and shit." That's crazy. You know, I mean, if you if you look at some of the things that are being sent amongst followers of a certain particular kind, that they're all yeah. buying ammunition and they are looking at uh, uh, civil disobedience, mm-hmm. as if it were not, yeah, as and- if as if it were nothing. I mean, the fact that they've taken they took over the capital and people were killed and, and all of that and it's just uh, um, they're patriots, you know, they're patriots. Well, and, and they're unified by their hate of Mexicans. So
2: that's basically what got it all started. I should have been on this. There then. Dude named Trump <laughs> came down an escalator and he said, "They're criminals and they're rapists and I suppose some are good people." And you know who he was talking about? He was talking about us. Wow. He was talking about man. all friggin' Latinos now and in the past and who've ever come to the United States. Fuck and it. that is. I mean, it, it's like you're throwing out a net and say, everybody who agrees with me that you hate Mexicans, come on board, and you know what? We're gonna do this thing. And and what still pisses me off, guys. I'm sorry. I know you're doing this
0: podcast. Nobody for, to give a fuck about that stuff. You're, you're, you're right in. You're yeah. right in. You're right in with us. Mm.
2: Yeah, but man, but, I mean, but but it's, when you not when you, only that that you, he did this and that the right did this and that Fox News and all these other guys and all these bizarre networks that are propping up, literally spend eighty percent of their energy talking about the border, the border, the border. Which means we hate Mexicans, we hate Mexicans, we hate Mexicans. I mean, but by, by the way, that could come off the wrong way. I, as a Latino living in the United States, believe that we should control our border. Absolutely. Okay, it's on the record. Nobody's out there saying, everybody come in, they can do whatever the hell they want. No. Pero coño, just because you're saying that you should control the border, I also want the people who are helping this country the most. Man, look, let's do stats. Latinos in the United States are the third fastest growing GDP in the world if they were a country unto themselves. Yes. Only behind China and India and ahead of the United States itself latinos in the united states start more small businesses latinos in the united states hire more people than anybody in the united states i mean the numbers make you go why the hell would i want to get rid of these people right give me a freaking break they are the economy the backbone of our of our country and and yeah that that doesn't get heard because the the guys on the right are saying we're all a bunch of you know whatever um and the guys on the left don't pay us any mind and don't know how to protect us with the kind of statistics that I just spewed out. And why would somebody so shoot
0: th- that shot first? Why would somebody aim there first? you, George,
2: because it's easy. I guess because there's a differentiation. The the vast majority of people who are undocumented who come to the United States get off of a plane and overstay their visas. It has nothing the hell to do with the border. And most of the people who come to the United States and cross the border end up contributing more to the United States than any other citizens or non-citizens in the United States. Commit less crimes. Give more money. What was the number now? I think it's $80 billion that undocumented immigrants give to Americans so that they can retire for free they mm-hmm. subsidize americans ability to collect well, uh, to collect social security i mean th- these stats are important pero nadie lo sabe no. nobody tells these stories and that's why we're doing this agua media rick sanchez news thing because
0: you know they fired me everywhere so i might as well just start my own damn company uh uh yeah you know um i think that's true they have fired you everywhere um where was the last place okay. that uh <laughs> But but you know I I think that at CNN I, I, at CNN I think you got re- replaced for something that was menial. It wasn't even a big yeah. it wasn't even a big deal.
2: Yeah. It, well, you know, I guess I mangled my words. I shouldn't have said what I said. I was all I was trying to say is, the media in general needs to have more representation It needs to be more diverse. We need to have Latinos in the media, and every time there's an opportunity, they, you know, they skip us and go to somebody else. And then the conversation turned into something where I said something I wish I hadn't said. And that's fine. Listen, man, we live in a country where everybody has a right to get sued, everybody has a right to get fired. dosas. cosas. I get that. But here's the deal. So they re- they fired me. Some like what? 10 12 years ago they still haven't replaced me there's not a prominent latino on the news we're 20 percent of the population we're less than two percent of the people who are represented in the national conversation in the news or in the media etc y coño, there's not a rick sanchez at cnn still there's not one at uh at msnbc there's not one at fox i mean give me a break guys i mean don't you think we should be there not to mention the fact that you know what Hollywood does, right? 37, according to the Annenberg study, 37% of the, of the Latinos in Hollywood are criminals, and another 27% are, like, losers. Again, I mean, it, it's a pattern that we need to just, like, address. Not because we're angry, ni nada, no. so Well, maybe what? a little bit.
0: Yeah, no, well, of course, because course. But, but, you know, we, we should say it. But why isn't, uh, why aren't they out there? I mean, what what, what are, what is, uh, you don't know, there's no, I guess, I guess if there's not, uh, um, mm-hmm if there's you know if there's not someone on there i don't think if you don't get any pushback then it's going to be all right you know, Because they think that we're all sitting around watching
2: Telemundo and Univision and we're all grandparents watching telenovelas. And they don't know that the common age of a Latino in the United States is 11 and the common age of a non-Latino in the United States is 58, which is an unbelievable number. Wow. They don't know that 80% of us are U.S. citizens. They don't know that 95, 95% of Latinos in the United States speak English under the age of 41, they don't know these things. So they think we're all just a f- bunch of beaners, you know? Right. And uh, because they think that way, and because to a certain extent we allow them to think that way, because we're not the kind of people who go out and protest and stuff. It's not who we are. You know, my dad, your dad, they lose their job. They just go get another one and they're hell with it. That's okay, right. Well, I've got yes. bitchy
0: cabrón, no importa, right? And they and that's for, who we are. And they weren't but looking for know, attention. You know, yeah, they weren't looking for go attention. Go ahead, i no, 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 no. They're not looking for attention. They're not looking for, um, uh, they're looking for a place to go every day. Yeah, exactly. And I feed my wife and my kids
2: and get the hell out of here. You say, lo que sea. but every once in a while, you got to look at this stuff and you say, you know, man, I mean, we are, we've been here since before the pilgrims. First of all, Latinos, you know, if you look at it from, you know, Hispaniola and that shit, we, we got here in what, uh, 1565. The pilgrims were in what, 1620. We, we celebrated Thanksgiving in San Agustin and they celebrated it in uh, Plymouth Rock but no but nobody knows this same as if you go to the you know la historia de who we are in Santa in in New Mexico i mean th- these are these are important things that people just need to understand that we're just as american as any other americans out there why, why is but uh, sometimes
0: we don't feel it man why is there a need it. why is there a need for someone to feel better and more important or or think that they're better than someone else Because if we are going
2: to be the fabric of the United States, if for nothing else, we we need to be also as as we grow in the United States, we need to be in boards. You know, we need to be in the boardroom. We need to be the CEOs. We need to be in all of those positions where we probably already kind of deserve to be, as much as anybody else. You know, as Latinos, we shouldn't be asking for anything more than anybody else has. But it should be proportional. I mean, you know, going back to what I said a little while ago, George, if we're 20% of the population, why are we less than 2% of the people that we see on TV? Why is it that when they talk about inflation, they don't invite one of us? Why, when they talk about Ukraine, they don't invite one of us? We have a better perspective on the world than most people do because, you know, I think we're a little more diverse. We bring experiences from our past, our parents. Yes. So, you know, I'm a big proponent for that, you know? More
0: more inclusion for us. Well, you know, Gil Gil is a uh, veteran. He served, you were in the... uh, army? I was in the army. He was in the army and went to uh he served in Vietnam. That's another great statistic. Guild will tell you.
2: <laughs> Latinos <laughs> serve in the military more than purport- disproportionately to their actual population. We we serve more Marine Corps, for example, more Latinos than any other corps in the United States. A Marine Commandant was quoted as saying last year, I need to stop Latinos from joining because there's too freaking many of them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, th- th- and they want to throw us out, guys? But How also, you? But also you know? we think it's good to go to the front. That's what we fucked up. <laughs> we're like, yeah. I'm going to the front. Well, we want to get up there. Hey, you guys are going to the front. We are! Yeah, let's go. Let's let let up. us up there. Hey, we're going to the front. You know, oh, uh, uh, but also yeah, when when you were in Vietnam and you were uh, gunning and sh- flying and shooting, I don't think you saw color. No, there weren't. Nah, there there, there wasn't. A- and you saw a guy. Uh, ex- tell Rick about the the story of your of your um, army buddy that you saw after all those years. That
1: uh, yeah, we. Uh, you gonna start crying? This this past no, I won't cry. <laughs> yeah, <you're gonna> <laughs> I cried that. <then>. past <laughs> February. Uh, captain that I flew with in uh, Vietnam when I went to gunships and I'm flying with him. He's the first mm-hmm. guy that ever chewed my ass. Nobody's ever chewed my ass like him again. We're just going hot. My gun got jammed. We made a loop. We come back. I hadn't unjammed my gun yet. Made a third loop, and now I'm ready to go. When we landed, he came and jumped right in my ass and told me that, hey, when you panic, you die. I'm part of a four-man crew, and we need you. We need you to be prepared. We need to do this. And I just looked at him. And then he turned and walked away. I never said anything back to him because everything he said was right. It, it was absolutely right. I always wanted to find that captain, that, that guy. Mm. We found each other on Facebook. I told he's he was going to cry. And January of uh, this past year, this year, we was uh, – I was going back to lecture in uh, Arizona. He was planning a vacation. Yeah. We decided we are going to meet NBC, a kid that grew up with my kid, went to school together. He ended up, he is now uh, NBC's affiliate in Phoenix. He was the guy in charge of the news media back there. And he follows me on Facebook and he wanted to know, hey, could we put a camera crew on you guys when you get together? He did. We met uh, Tom Tom Stemke, good Polish guy from Sheboygan, Michigan, and myself. And we met. And we cried like babies. We just cried, oh, hugged, yeah. and cried. It was, it, it was something nice. beautiful. And we, I hadn't seen him in 53 years. And so we were able to do that uh, to get what together. What was that
2: like, Gil? I mean, I mean my God. I, 53 I mean, I years. I can't even imagine what it's like to be in a war. Uh, I've covered some, but it's different.
1: And and we, to hear you say we, I laughed earlier. You like panicked
2: every day, man? Right.
1: No, no, you know, I, I flew every day unless the bird was down. And you know, it's it's business. You get into it, you know, it's just like football, it's game day, you get in, you go out, and sometimes it gets ugly, it gets hairy, and you just praying, dear God, just get me out of this one, you know, and you, you get and as soon as you're flying away safely back to the back to the base. It's all good again. You get down, rearm your plane, refuel, go into the hooch and turn on Combat on Armed Forces TV and drink a beer. One of the most dangerous jobs like
2: in the history of military worldwide was being a helicopter pilot in Vietnam, man. Yeah, was, According to the statistics, those guys like they're dropped every day, right?
1: The the captain told the news news media guy he says, "You know, we we really didn't know if we were going to come home that any time we went out because it was an extremely dangerous thing, and it, it's just great to see the guy alive. And he's a good, good man today. And it was, uh, yeah, you're not gonna make me cry. But, are you, but, but hey, also, hey,
0: I, are
2: you're Latino. Yeah,
1: you and Latino? I got he's yeah, a Chicano. I'm a Latino, Chicano. but I, I have to laugh uh, because you said something early on in the show. You, you mentioned Beaners, and yeah. when I was in Vietnam, everybody had a nickname, and my first mm-hmm. name is Gil, so my name was G Beaner because I was Mexican. <laughs> You know, and I was the only Mexican in the platoon, and, and I was called G Beaner.
0: But well, we do eat beans. I mean, is it an insult? I mean,
2: I like beans. No,
1: no, it wasn't an insult. I didn't think no,
2: it was. No, be, yeah, be- <laughs> be- Beaner's, Beaner's kind of cool. I think, right? I mean, it's not. It's cool. It do worked you, for me. Do you now, now I'm fascinated by you, Gail. Do you ever hear people say something to you that makes you want to retort with? I mean, I fought for this country, dude. I fought for this country. Yeah, when do you go they, there? Because
1: they're saying yeah. something. The only, time I wanted, I the only time I wanted to say that was when I first went to the VA. I was a, I was, those diabetic, was a diabetic, and they sent me to a doctor. The doctor, uh, unfortunately for myself or for him, I don't know, I got there, and he was a doctor that was from <laughs> Vietnam. And so he says, okay, you're a diabetic. I said, okay. I, and I asked him a simple question. Because I had a sister that was diabetic, I said, "Does that mean you're going to give me one of those things to prick my finger and I test my blood now?" And the guy yeah. went off on me, telling me I'm not the doctor, and he and he really got got angry. And I just looked and I said, "Hey, doc, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know you got a tough job, and you see l- people that are a lot sicker than I am." I said, "But I have a job that I got to talk to people too, and there's no reason to be condescending to anybody." I asked mm. you a simple question, and because I challenged, now his voice went five octaves <laughs> up higher. And I said, okay, timeout. It's over with. Get out of my way. I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. And he pushed himself mm-hmm. in front of the door. And he said, you're not leaving until I get done with that. And I said, I'm going to tell you last time. Get out of my way or you're going to get hurt. I promise. Get out mm-hmm. of my way or you're going to get hurt. So he stepped out of the way, let me out, and I never went back. And so that's the only time I wanted to say, you piece of shit. I got- fought. I, I, I got you here. <laughs> and now you're going to talk to me like this? That, that's the only time I've ever been, I don't get mad at
0: anybody that says Good uh, for you. Th- th-
1: I, I didn't. Yeah.
0: And I, and I didn't, say, didn't say that to them. Amongst all the other things that are wrong with this country, why, don't, why aren't we taking better care of the veterans and people who put their lives on the line for all of us, indiscriminate of mm-hmm. color or race, creed, age, that those guys continue to put their lives on the line and they get back and they can't get the treatment that they need?
2: Yeah, because I I don't know, man. I think I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the the emphasis from a military standpoint today in the United States of America has more to do with how we can make Pratt and Whitney happy and how we can make Raytheon happy rather than how we can make the soldiers, the troops who are actually on the ground fighting happy and 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 the corporatization of the military you know as eisenhower warned us a great president Mm -hmm. about the military-industrial complex is true the the guys in those big corporations who are getting trillions of dollars and starting really stupid wars like the war in iraq are uh controlling things that should be uh helping the troops but instead they're helping those guys Uh, I will and, say and this about very the wealthy veteran. people. <laughs> you know, I will say this, this sure about the Veterans Administration the today, George.
1: Yeah, you're right. I'll, I'll say this about the Veterans Administration today because I recently got contacted by the Veterans Administration, mm-hmm. and by a, a very, very wonderful gentleman, and he said the Veterans Administration today is not what it was back when I had the run-in. They're doing things fine. I can tell you that. Uh, I've received nothing but the best expedient mm-hmm. uh, assistance I can possibly get. Stuff that I didn't even know I was uh, worth had coming to me. I don't know if it had coming to me. But it, it just, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. things are going well, and, and it's within two months. Two months from the time I started to actually being rated, and it, it's, it's amazing. He says it's the new... Uh, new way of doing things started about four or five years ago well
2: well, but don't you think though part of the problem is I mean I'm just sitting here thinking out loud with you guys you know as a bunch of Latinos hablando aquí pero (laughs) if if we won more wars or if we actually fought wars with the intention of winning them instead of just being there long enough to make some people very wealthy from them the soldiers would not come back from those entanglements as messed up as they are Because I know if if I was being given a job but I didn't understand what my function was, it would mess me up a little bit. And 20 years in Afghanistan without a real mission, same as Iraq, that's got to mess some of these guys up, right? You know,
1: I got to believe, I'll only speak from the time when I was in Vietnam. It's almost as if, as I look in hindsight, they brainwash you. You know, this is your goal, this is what you got to do, you're fighting for your country, this is it. And they have to keep that morale up. Well, it got to the point... I was there. I got there the first the first week of uh, the Tet Offensive, nineteen sixty eight, February sixty yeah. eight, and so it was it was terrible. By the time I left in March of sixty nine, April of sixty nine, uh, coming home, you'd be flying and we'd get shot at, and but before we could return fire, you had to call somebody else to get permission to make sure that it was not uh, you know that there weren't friendlies in the area or this wasn't a friendly village. And one sits here. I know we'd sit there and say, So, what are we supposed to do? Smile while they're shooting at us, you know. So, the war was being fought entirely, and, and even veterans then were bitter as to the way things were going on towards the end. When I got there, th- there was no bitterness, it was good. Let's get out there, let's throw you know. Whatever but you I, but I, think do. You,
0: I think what you said about, I, I, you know, if people listen to this, I want them to understand that. Um, what you said about corporations being involved in in the military, whether it's the tents, the food, the clothes, the uh, protection, the ammo, it's all diverted to a company that is making money off of uh, the soldiers and off of the war. Right, Rick? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No question.
2: yeah. and and they have influence in undue influence in in the Senate and in Congress, et cetera, because they're the ones who give the biggest amounts of money in donations to our politicians and you know as a nation if we love this country we need to watch that because it becomes unfair and you know the average person running for office in the united states gets 98 percent of their money from very wealthy corporations and only two percent of the money from you know folks like us. Man, so uh, man. yeah, they have undue influence, and, in and they, it's unfortunate. Able to manifest wars even, and get people to vote for things that they normally would go. Ah, and
1: it's unfortunate that the guys. people that are fighting so, the wars yeah. and the people who are voting are
2: ignorant to this.
0: I don't think people really understand what they're what they're voting for or what's or what's happening. Right? You yeah. figure. Yeah. If it's uh, being done, there has to be a reason why it's being sure. done, and um, that, I don't that's think they why people like Rick Sanchez get fired from that's
2: places <laughs> like NBC and CNN and Fox News. What, what, what freedom has that I'm uh, saying now would let me? I would last yeah. thirty seconds on one of those places because the biggest advertisers and the people who sit on the board of NBC and all those big networks are guys who are also sitting on the board of Raytheon. I mean, let's face it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be critical. I love my country. I want this country to succeed, but you got to call things as they are. When I see my son do something wrong, I tell him, "Mijo, I love you, but you screwed
0: up." Right. You know. And I don't think we do enough of this, guys. Sometimes, you know, and things like this. And and what are they trying to accomplish in 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 uh, in news? Because it's almost like uh, it's almost like a team now. If you're Fox News, you're not CNN. <laughs> if you're MSNBC, you're not Fox. You're not uh, Breitbart. And, and, you know, you're not uh, uh, Young Turks. So it's almost like, uh, I would say, a team. You're You're committed to your team, and whatever they say on your team is what you believe.
2: Yeah, it's an encampment, right? It's like, we have to be over here saying this message, and we have to be over here saying this message, and it's unfortunate. And most of the people who are in those places are paid well enough to not want to leave the job, so they'll say whatever they think needs to be said. I, listen, I got dear friends at all of those places, obviously, like you in the, you know, yeah. in our businesses, you know, you in the entertainment and comedic, comedic business and me in the news business. I got buddies at work at Fox News who don't believe some of the stuff that I know comes out of their mouth because I talk to them. And, and I got buddies at CNN and NBC who kind of are saying things that I'm going like, why would you say that? Why are you why are you reporting that but not reporting other things? And it's because, well. You know, some of these guys make pretty good buck, man. They, they give them, you could be an anchor at NBC. You could be like an Anderson Cooper dude, man, making $22 million a year just by reading a freaking teleprompter a couple times a day. <laughs> That's a pretty good gig. Of course, you're not going to give that up. And, In and, the old days, when I was growing up, an anchor, you know, a television a journalist was like, a, you know, a high paid executive,
0: maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. So, you know.
2: You know, this probably has got something to do with it,
0: George. It so, so, does. so when Walter Cronkite was like everybody's, uh, you know, everybody watched Walter Cronkite, and and all of those guys back there, Rick, what, what, uh, I don't think they had a horse in the race. They were just reporting what was wh- mm-hmm. what the news was. They didn't have an angle. They didn't add a slant to the news. It was the news, right? Here's what I think happened, and, and this is just my theory.
2: I think what happened was after Watergate there was an emphasis on confrontational journalism. They were going after anybody who was corrupt or anybody who was doing something wrong. And I think a lot of journalists back then maybe went a little too far. And there were business people who were probably attacked or had these confrontational interviews. And they all kind of got together and said, you know what, the media is a little bit out of control. Let's start our own media sort of thing. And those very conservative forces inside the United States, they started coming up with think tanks and their own media companies mm-hmm. vis-a-vis Fox News. Let's present a conservative perspective and convince Americans that they need to be on our side. Mm-hmm. Well, they really started off, George, as just a bunch of rich guys who wanted to make sure their taxes were kept down. So, you know, they were gonna push that message. But then they started pushing a message to get regular Americans, real Americans, over on their side, which was let's talk bad about blacks. Let's distance you from Latinos or Mexicans or lo que sea. And little by little, they created this thing called Fox News and all these other entities that are on the right. And when they did that, they took all the angry white people with them, which left NBC and CNN with the non-angry white people. So then they started programming to keep that audience and they program to them as kind of angry minorities who are angry at the white people. So you got, you got networks doing news for angry white people, Fox, and you got news doing and you got networks doing news for angry black people, MSNBC, and that's what we've ended up with. And you're absolutely right. It's siloed. Silos are not good. They're not good in a family. They're not good in a business, et cetera. And they're certainly not good for our country. But that's what we got right now. You're right.
0: You're uh, right. And as we uh, and as we go, no, no. Let me ask you this. So, 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 you and your podcast and what you do. Like, what? Uh, how can people find you? And and uh, how often do you do you? Are you doing your shows? And and because I think it's it's very refreshing, isn't it? It's refreshing to mm-hmm. oh, yeah. to it hear is. someone speak. Yeah, so freely.
2: A different perspective. That doesn't mean we're right all the time. We just give perspectives that I think are important. We like to call them Latino truths. That's what we do. We do Latino truths. It's called our company's called Agua Media and you know like you said CNN fired me and I started a 4.4 billion dollar company and my wife said get out of the house go do something so now we're going to do this me and uh, Saul Trujillo. we started Agua Media this show that I do is called Rick Sanchez News uh it's called Rick Sanchez News you know it's on it's on Spotify it's on Apple and all that stuff. And we're, we're getting a lot of traction. We really just started a while ago, but we're seeing a lot of people who are jumping on board and saying, when you finally, somebody is saying some of the things that I've always wanted to say, or maybe some of the things that should have been said by some of these folks like the Anderson Coopers, but you know, they don't defend us. So I will, we will, you know, and, yeah. and I know you get it. I know you guys get it. Yeah. Uh, and we're not trying to be mean, but there's some things that, you know,
0: got to be said. That's it, because it almost like uh, you know when Fox News or when you said uh, you know after after Watergate that almost the gloves have come off on on news you know now the gloves mm-hmm. have come off uh, on on uh, on situations. Uh, explain to us what uh, taking classified documents back to Lagomar means oh, uh, politically.
2: Well, there's no question that those are stolen documents because. I said this in my podcast yesterday, somewhere in South Florida over the weekend, a young African-American man was followed by security to his car. When they got to his car, they found a pair of Nikes. When they asked him for a receipt for the Nikes, he wasn't able to present a receipt for the Nike. And they had information that he may have taken him from the store. They immediately handcuffed and took that young man to jail. He was about a 19 or 20 year old young African-American who had appeared had stolen property and they took him to jail. There's a billionaire who lives in Palm Beach, Florida, not too far from where that young African-American was taken. They found out that he had stolen government documents in his home. They didn't arrest him. They called him on the phone. They said, look, I'm sure there's an explanation. Just do us a favor. Return them and there will be no problems and we need you to return them by a certain date. Instead, he returned half and kept half. And that billionaire did not know that there were cameras and a confidential informant inside that hotel or that Lagomar hotel that he owns. So they knew that this was there. So they decided to go back in now, and they've taken those things back, and they found that it was stolen property, but yet that billionaire has not yet been arrested, and we're still waiting to see if he will. That's what bothers America. Whether it's Hillary Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump or who knows who— There are two different systems of justice in America. There's one for that young African-American who seemed to have stolen a pair of Nikes, and one for a billionaire who lives in Palm Beach. And that's not right, and that's what makes people mad on both sides, whether you're cheering for Donald Trump or you're
0: cheering for uh, or against Hillary Clinton. And a Trump supporter would say what about him having the documents or only returning half? Uh, How how in their mind do they reconcile that that's, that's good for America? It's the thing that you and I were talking about before
2: that we Latinos can't stand, victimization. Oh, it's just because I'm Latino. Oh, it's just because I'm Trump. Oh, it's just because you don't like me. You know what? I mean, after a while, that thing gets a little bit thin. And that's basically the only argument that we're really hearing at this point, is that somehow— the Justice Department, and the FBI director, who, by the way, voted for Trump and was appointed by Trump, decided one day that he was going to investigate Trump, which makes no sense right. whatsoever. Right. And as far as uh, Biden, you know, who's, you know, not the brightest bulb in the uh, on the block. No, no, but uh, but, but, but uh, no, he's not but the he's brightest bulb. He's doing the bulb. best he can. He's just an old guy. But, but, he but, but he had nothing to do with that. And that's the other argument that they're making, that somehow... The president assigned the FBI and the Justice Department to go after that. It, it, it's not a good argument, but they tend to follow the lead from okay. you know, Trump and it, some, it, of his, if Joe Biden's, uh, some of his uh,
0: If Joe Biden's mental capacity was a strip club, <laughs> what are the girls wearing? Are they fully Are they almost fully dressed? A jogging I mean, suit. I mean, are they are they full? I mean, are they showing any skin at all, or, or are they just? Yeah, I think they're walking out there fully dressed.
2: How do we end up with this though? How do we end up with a guy named Trump and a guy named <laughs> Biden as the two candidates for I mean, the most powerful I, I do have one and greatest question. country on earth, man? I, it's I just I mean I mean I know a lot of really smart people. And they could I, all do a better job than both and they of those don't, they're, dudes, I They're think. not getting I, I don't up, they're not getting up, up like there, man. What does they're, it say I mean, about us? They're
0: not, I think it says it's been poor. How far back do we have to go with, until the, when the candidates were p- poorly planned out? Like, you know, if you lose the election and you have a Republican, that the, the Democrats would be like, we got to start grooming somebody to get into the race. And I don't believe that that's, that that's happening right now. I don't believe that that, that we're prepared <sighs> to go forward. Um,
2: I I, I worry about the fact that we don't have enough real juice from Americans in general when it comes to being involved in the system. I, I don't know if they want us to be this way, but, you know, my kids are like, Dad, it's all fixed come on yeah and i'm like no if you get involved th- th- dad come on i mean it's you this thing this is all predetermined what would work better Rick? so what we have is we've got basically any the only people who vote in this country are like 65 to yeah. 80 or 90 you know yeah and that means that we're not we're not hooked in
0: and and we should be darn it what we works should. what works better what yeah. do you think works better um than having a president is there is there you know there's companies coca-cola uh, does well They're around the yeah. world they, they run a business you know is is this is this uh, structure that we've set up is it uh, are we done with it should we adjust it should we have a president well I think one of the things
2: is the electoral college is a little bit of a, a you know you guys are in California and it's, you got just as many senators as Wyoming does and they right. got a hundred what do they have three hundred thousand people who live there I mean that's like one one hundredth of the population of California, and yet you get the same representation. They get the same
0: representation that you get. And the electoral that's, college was set up. Who came up with this? Yeah, this and, and it was crazy. set up. Crazy. How,
1: how many years ago? Uh, uh, yeah. Like two
0: hundred
1: thirty some at this point. You're not talking to Rick Sanchez. Don't look at me. I'm I'm just an but, everyday Mexican
0: yeah <laughs> but also people don't I'm think a that- Mexican in a blue suit man, you know Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. yeah, but I, I spent my life doing news and stuff and thinking about all of these things. So I do think sometimes that we need to address some of the things that people are afraid to talk about. And for some reason, why, why don't we have these conversations about? some of these things in an open and honest way not not to make anybody feel bad or accuse anybody no. of
0: anything so it's the our country we should fix our problems are, are the company that you guys started awa what's it, Agua media agua, agua media agua like, media what, you know, what, like, agua. what are you guys are you guys into entertainment is it news is it interviews Is it uh, music, movies?
2: Yeah, mine is like news and commentary. Uh, And then we have uh, another show hosted by uh, Kathy Fernandez. And she does more of a a, a spiritual healing, helping people kind of get through their day. Then we have another one, which is like a true crime horror show. And we've got another five to six shows coming up on the pipeline. And uh, yes, obviously... Looking for the right comedian that hopefully you can suggest to us. (laughs) Yes. Why do you think that people
0: are fascinated by uh, true crime? Because it... Because it makes us see the
2: things that we don't uh, experience in our own lives. And everybody, every single human being on Earth loves hearing a story about somebody who's worse off than them. It's like, no matter how bad my life is and my life sucks, right? I'm not saying my life sucks. I'm saying if I'm a human being thinking my life sucks, I lost my job. I got this, my wife, my old lady doesn't like me. Look, I say, right, whatever it is. I'm going to uh, sit down tonight, and I'm going to watch a situation where some guy got busted, and he's going to jail, or he's being investigated, and he can't sleep. And he, you know what? That you know guy's what? worse than me. So you i not know, going to sleep really well tonight. You know what? I've asked that and, question
0: and I, a lot, and I, and I believe that that answer is is close to it because I remember when we worked during the you know when I worked during the day, and you would gravitate towards things where, and I still do on on uh, on YouTube. It's just it, it, I th- I think the thing that drives it now is uh, true crime or.
1: I I just think that people, something as simple as a crime, you don't need a great big deal of intelligence. They think they can jump in there and solve it. Everybody's looking to try and help solve the big mystery. They think they've got the answer. They can get involved without really being out there on the front line because it is a big deal. And I know I'm being contacted constantly about doing more true crime stuff. So it's out there.
2: Rick why would it Oh keep, yeah, it's the biggest it's the biggest uh space and podcast and one of the ones that has the best CPMs or whatever the heck all this stuff is because for some reason it gets a big draw and
0: and and, and people do really like that. Rick what, so, what's what's making that, what's making these kids at a young age uh you know get weapons and go and destroy uh other people's lives and their own life. Like what what is what are making these kids go in there? And I think they have to know that their life is over the minute that they step out of their house or step into a school or go wherever. Uh, uh, I mean, <clears throat> I, you know, at that age in high school, I was, uh, uh, you know, I was, uh, I don't know, man. I just, I just think, you know, we lead the, the world in uh, school shootings and even mass shootings. What's happening in people's psyche? Well, first of all, I I do believe that we need to be able to come up with some kind of
2: system. I don't want to take anybody's guns away, but we should have some kind of regulations as to who could buy them and when and whether somebody who has psychological issues and they're documented should be able to be allowed to go to a gun show and buy a gun or whether people under the age of 21 should just willy-nilly be able to go and buy guns. I mean, every great cop that I ever – when I was a cop reporter for many, many years – I was a cop-beat reporter in South Florida. That's kind of how I uh, made my name in this business. And I remember most of the police officers I talked to back then said, look, if it was up to us, there's too many... We see too many people out here with guns that shouldn't have guns, and they're doing a lot of harm. So, yeah, there's no question guns are part of the issue. But when you say, George, the the when you narrow the question to the age of some of these people that are doing this, I, I don't know, man. I disagree with you a little bit. I think that... Uh, I think it would be harder to grow up today than it was when you and I were just a bunch of cholos growing up Yeah. because the the stuff that they get now, the messaging, the, the, you know, the, the, this thing and the laptop and the tech and the, and the world moving so fast. It's just, you know, I, I think it's befuddling. I I think it's confusing. I I think it makes them a little bit crazy. And, you know, I used to climb trees and go to the park and get in fights with my buddies and, and and play ball and you know, that stuff. And I don't see kids doing that anymore. I ride by parks and they're empty. I do so have yeah, an opinion what
1: on it. I do have an opinion. And and that was when I was a kid growing up, if you got in trouble with the cops, you got in trouble with in school. Parents yeah. were quick to beat the shit out of you. It was your fault. Don't blame it on the school, don't blame it on the cops. And then we went from that to now everything is everybody else's fault. And there isn't, they're not held to any kind of, res, they're not held to any responsibilities at all. They get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Oh, mijo, you know, you, the school, it was your fault. Why didn't you, what, what are you teaching them in school? Why are you allowing them to get that? You should be, they're in school, you should be taken care of. It's, uh, there is. No- my
2: mom used to beat the crap out of me. I'm oh, just yeah. Go that, ahead and that. say that. I mean, I know you might get letters on or something, but, you know, <laughs> she did. And my dad was uh, a very strict disciplinarian as well. So I remember my mom would sit at the front door and we would be out and they said we were supposed to be home at a certain time. My dad, by the way, my dad was funny. He used to sleep in my bed, so if I came home late, I had to wake his ass up. Good one. I would turn on the light, and I was like, sudden, ah! You know, and I'm jumping up, and your viejo's like, yeah, no way, a que hora llega, see? I knew you were going to do this, you know? And, and my mom would sit at the front door, and she'd say, entra. Entra. No, the way I you know, she's got a chancleta in her hand. Right? She's got a slipper or a belt in her hand, and she's saying, "Come on." No, the way I said nada. No, the way I said, "I'm not gonna do anything to you." Come on in. And then, and then all of a sudden, I'm going, "Okay, I'm gonna come." Whack! You know, as you're coming yeah. through the door. I mean, it was just the way we were raised, and
1: that, that's know. what. And and that doesn't happen. They're not held for anything they've done. It's always somebody else, and that's the way they've been brought up. And and I, I've listened to people say. You are what you eat. You are this. It's your environment, the area you've been brought up. I think it all starts in the home and ends in the home. You know, it's mm-hmm. the way you were, the way you were brought up. There is no respect out anymore, and you've got to monitor. That, I, that's I, what's I think going the, on.
0: I think the phones and the electronics give you a false sense of of uh, uh, that you're actually reaching out to to people, like you know. You, if you're walking, you see somebody taking a selfie, or they're or they're talking on FaceTime, or they're doing something, and it gives people, a, a, I think, a, a sense that they're that every person is, I don't, don't want to say important, but that it ma- that it it matters. Now that, that you say that, mm-hmm.
1: when we were young growing up, you had gangs, and gangs. The reason gangs were formed were. To protect one another they became your family you relied on each other and you didn't care about anything else other than your gang member friends now you get out there they have social media which is just an extension of the game i have all these people that are
0: giving That's me advice all social media is an extension of gang exactly
2: wow. yeah uh yeah you know there's a word that we have in spanish it's called vergüenza Verguenza is a very powerful word right? for us Latinos, right? It means shame. Yep. Sure. And you you don't shame your name, you don't shame your family, you don't shame your mother, you don't shame your father. And if you do, expect an ass kicking, right? You yes. gotta get your butt with it because you just don't do that anymore. And that's so important in our culture. And I almost see, you know, I see politicians nowadays who screw up or do something, you know, like like this guy, uh, Matt Gates. We we did a podcast on this guy, Matt Gates. He's being investigated by the feds for taking a 16 or 17 year old girl across state lines and having sex with her, right? I'm not saying that that's in the news. You can Google it, right? And if somebody were accusing me of something like that, man, I wouldn't show my face. I would not be holding news conferences. I would try and if it's a lie, I would be screaming, hey, this is crap, this isn't true. And I would be dealing with it in court. The guy's holding news conferences every day and and and, and talking about uh, uh, you know about Biden and this and then yeah an abortion issue, man, shut up! Show some vergüenza. Yeah. What happened to that? What happened to that? I mean, I, you know, man. I think as a Latino, that's one of the most important things that we get from from our parents, from our culture. Don't shame the family. Don't do something so stupid out there that's going to make people think less of all of us. So you when you know, were when
0: you were growing I think that's up, missing. when you were growing up, um, what did you gravitate to? Did you play sports or because I would imagine that somebody like you with with, uh, you know, an outspoken opinion there's an intelligence to you that that um, uh, who were you upsetting in your early teens? <laughs> I was actually a pretty good kid. I mean.
2: You know, I was—I grew up in a barrio here in Hialeah, Florida. I'm a Cuban kid. I came as an immigrant when I was two. My parents never made more than $10,000 a year combined income. My dad worked in a hotel. My mom sewed shoes in a factory. That was one of my dad's jobs. So all I ever got from my parents was, you know, love, but certainly nothing materialistic. And I kind of made my way because I played football and i was pretty good at it and i got a football scholarship and i was able to go to minnesota and there i got a cbs news scholarship because i was a, i was a pretty good student um and 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 then i found you know the idea of writing and communicating ef- as effectively as i could and the fact that i was bilingual and i could do it in either language and switch back and forth in spanish and in english you know made people think that that was pretty cool so that helped me along the way as well so yeah, I mean, I played football, and I and 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 I was a I was always a little bit of a I always kind of fancied myself as a little bit of an overachiever, yeah. um, even though I grew up with nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. But there's a lot of us like that. I mean, I, I'm not trying to make my story special because no. among if you go around the country, there's Latinos who've done 50 times
0: what I've done. You know, guys like you, George. You know, well, there's also you know whatever color you are that, um, you know. This country should be for everyone to want to do better, and not. I, you know, I wanted to do better, but I didn't want to begrudge someone else wanting to do better. I never even thought about them doing better; I only thought about myself. Mm-hmm. Never hated the fact that somebody other than me was doing better. And I think that's what, where we are now. We're, we're a bit of, you know, like those. That it's just so it's so negative and it's so detrimental to a free society that, you know, it's, you almost don't want to pop your head. I mean, how many creative people are, uh, are we stopping from being creative because they don't want to poke their head out? Oh, yeah. yeah. Cause we, 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 we have lost the capacity for being gracious
2: for being gracious as losers or as winners or as brothers and sisters for someone who had just done something well and deserves a pat on the back. Yep. Just like when they do something not so well, they probably deserve to be told the truth. But it seems like you're right, man. Nowadays, we don't tell people the truth when we hear him, them say something we wish they hadn't said. We don't pat each other enough on the back. And we, we're we always looking for things that are wrong instead of things that are right. There and go. there is a negativity, almost a cynicism that has uh, overcome us that I, I don't know I don't know where why that comes from. Uh, just as Americans, you know, and we feel a lot of that as Latinos in particular because, you know, we get a lot of heat
0: for stuff we don't deserve. So, but you know, turn the other cheek. But what uh, Jesus said. Uh, 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 but but uh, pe- people in uh, in Miami and in Florida are a lot of Latinos are on the right. Uh, were they always uh, were they always red, or did someone turn them red?
2: No, they weren't always red. The Cubans who came to Miami after the Castro Revolution were Democrats. And uh, they, they they got sucked up in uh, the—maybe I should put it this way—the Democratic Party's inability to uh, cast dispersions among the communist governments that they came from. And the Republicans— ability, Ronald Reagan in particular, he's where he's where it all started. Ronald Reagan came to Miami, embraced the Cuban community and said, I am with you and I am gonna take down Fidel Castro. And you know, together we're going to forge an anti communist world here, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, a lot of that was kind of just, you know, um political speak. Yeah which then everybody did since him, you know. To today, to be elected in Florida, you have to come to Miami and you have to tell the Cubans that you hate Castro and you hate communism, and then they'll they might vote for you. Unfortunately, because the Republicans were the first to do it, they've kind of drawn it out, and, you know, it's become... It's become part of the the mantra, who, if you will. Who, who was the mayor it's that had some? Because there's no difference between a
0: Democrat and a Republican when it comes to communism, but for some reason they've bought into it, it. Who was the mayor in Florida that had a little bit of juice? I think it was the Elian Gonzalez thing. That uh, he was kind of a he 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 was a name uh, starting to come up. Pinellas, yes. Alex Pinellas, yes, was there during during that time? He was, was kind in, of on of the, on the up, right? Like, he was English. kind of on the up, right? Yeah.
2: Well, um, you know, I interviewed Bill Clinton during that. Uh, I interviewed Clinton. I interviewed Reagan. I interviewed Carter. I interviewed uh, Obama. And one of my most – I'll never forget my interview with Bill Clinton because we just went toe-to-toe. I've never seen a a, a human being who loves a fight more than that guy. And at the time, I was telling him that he was wrong in how he handled, uh, you know, Elian Gonzalez because Elian Gonzalez – was being used by the Castro government and when his father said I want him back, he didn't really want him back because if he really wanted him back, why did he let him leave? Right. Right? What did he changed his mind all of a sudden? So and I was trying to tell uh President Clinton that and uh and I said, look, you 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 got you got taken. You you, you 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 don't understand, you know, Mr. President. And he started yelling at me, and then telling me that I was wrong. And I started telling him that he was wrong. And I mean, I was supposed to interview the guy for just like uh, you know ten minutes, and we were still going at it about a half hour into it. And they almost had to like pull him back because he was so engaged in the conversation because he was convinced he was right. But I'll never forget, and it was all about Elian Gonzalez. And to this day, I admire Clinton for he's. He loves to spar intellectually uh, more than any other president I interv- ever interviewed and uh, the other only one was Gorbachev. I once said to Mikhail Gorbachev when you went to Cuba Mr. President and Fidel Castro pulled the uh, the, the red carpet and said you can leave on your own we're not going to even give you a state uh, you know escort." And I said, how did that make you feel? And Gorbachev turns to me and he says, that's your problem, you Cubans. You Cubans are obsessed with Castro. Everything is about Castro. The only reason that, that, that Castro is a famous person is because you make him that. Why are you asking me questions about Castro? And he got all pissed off at me. And then he just kind of walked away. It wasn't always about so Castro. Th- those are the two times I had interviewed presidents and they got pissed off and for my question. Yeah. So wow. there you go. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Amazing. It um, is but, a fascinating me. Yeah, he just came awesome. Congratulations. Uh
0: yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Uh so 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 the media group you see it uh um in original programming and and podcasts and and, and things like that? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I think we're going to
2: produce right now three episodes. Um uh each one will be twice a week. Mine is three times a week. And I think the key for us is to try and tell the stories through a wider-angle lens, because as Latinos, we bring different experiences than most non-Latinos in this country. We just see the world a little bit differently because of our own experiences, and we think that makes a difference in how we tell stories. I mean, one of the reasons George Lopez is considered one of the best comedians in in the United States has a lot to do with the fact that you're Latino, because you, you bring this to the story that which you are, which comes from your soul, and just like George Lopez was able to succeed, and I, in my own way, maybe was able to succeed in, you know, in in news, we need to see more of that, and and that's why we think by doing a a, a true crime podcast hosted by a Latino, yes. written by a Latino, by, by doing a political segments hosted and written by Latinos, and uh, by doing all these types of different podcasts that exist exists out there, hosted and written by Latinos, um, well, for one thing, it'll give 20% of the country a place to go if they want to hear Latino voices. And for another, all those people that we call Latino Plus who aren't Latinos will get to hear who we are. and. Get to hear our stories. I think and we're get still get to hear that we speak English. We don't That's sit right. around watching you un- telenovelas every night. I still think that <laughs> et we're cetera, et I still cetera. think that
0: we're finding that audience amongst ourselves. You know, I still think that uh, that us as podcast uh, listeners and and uh, watchers that we're still finding that that and that in our cars and at work on the weekends or on walks that you could find this entertainment uh, much more enjoyable. than than listening to music or something that you become uh, accustomed to. Like, try try something new.
2: Yeah, this whole podcast thing is really entertaining. I I plan my days around my jogs with a podcast. I mean, I I laugh my ass off listening to you guys on your podcast. Uh, And then I switch over and I listen to the New York Times uh, podcast, The Daily. And then I listen to WAPO. Uh, So, I mean... I plan my day around my comedy podcast, my news podcast, uh, my true crime podcasts, and you know, I try and get in as many as I can. Obviously, once you start you, you get busy with your day and stuff, but I I think it's gonna be the future. I mean, I think everybody wants to just go to get their entertainment out of this little box yeah. whenever they want. And I don't think it's gonna be less. I think it's gonna be more.
0: Don't well, you? If you look at if you look at television, you have to be in a stationary place to watch it. Uh, you have to be at home in front of your, you know, in your bed or... or. But I don't think that we live like that anymore. And I think that you're right in saying that, that we'll find it on our phones and we'll find it on airplanes and you find it uh, more places than than, than we, when we used to say, I can't wait to go home to watch, whether it was Mike Douglas for me or Dinah Shore or Merv Griffin or, or any of those things that you can just... Find now through YouTube and through podcasts now um, at at the, at your fingertips. Well, for you, it was probably Engelbert Humperdinck, right? I love that <laughs> guy. Home to watch <laughs> I Engelbert. Engelbert Humperdinck. I love,
2: show.
0: I love, I love the <laughs> big dinker. I, 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 I found myself more, um, you know, um, <laughs> as a Chicano in that time into Seals and Crofts and uh the Doobie Brothers and more than ranchera music, you know, than than. Uh, then I would say, um, you know, uh, mariachi music or uh, Mexican music. But I was, uh, we were into Ted Nugent, who was a friend of mine. You know, I, he's hard right, but uh, yeah, so, uh, what? so yeah. fucking what? That's what I say. Yeah, like he and yeah. I, he and I, she... I talk, and I take the guys that I went to high school with to go see him, and he's great to them. And it's about the music and not his fucking politics. And Rick, you know, nobody knew how anybody voted. In the la- eh, fucking forty years ago, they didn't give a fuck. You didn't speak politics at the table. You didn't talk religion, and you didn't have you, everybody kept to their p's and q's, as you would say. And now, mm-hmm. everybody has to know what used to what used to go unknown. They want to know yeah, where you are. Yeah, I see these bumper stickers, and I'm thinking, who the fuck cares, man? Why are you putting all your
2: shit out there like that? I mean. Uh, I get it, you know. I belong to the PTA of my school or something like that. But everybody's bumper stickering their lives nowadays. Yeah. My kid got an A. I voted for Trump. I hate Trump. I like this guy. I man, wh- wh- why do you think that matters to everyone? Why would you put all that stuff out there about
0: yourself? Is, you know, it, is there is there, is there an insignificance that people feel if they feel like their opinion isn't being heard? It never used to be like that. And I think, like you said, I think this goes to saying. That my opinion will be heard on neighbor next door or whatever f- fucking yeah. social <laughs> app that you're listening that you're watching <laughs> or listening to that you know somebody giving away a my cat. Wife, my know, old lady gets that app, f- the next door
2: app or something. Yeah, whatever the heck it's called. And I'm sitting here and I'm laughing <laughs> at some of the stuff that those people are like complaining oh about. Oh my god! It's like, there's a, god, listen, I'm sure guys used to masturbate I'll tell you all why the time. I like this. <laughs> I like, I'll tell you why I like this podcast thing that you that we're all doing. Uh, And that I think to a certain extent really is the future. It's more intimate. Uh, There's no script here. There's, There's no teleprompter. I mean, we're sharing ideas based on our own experiences and hopefully learning something from each other. And I think that's so healthy. Compared yep. to, you know, listening to some dude on some network reading a teleprompter to you that was written by, I know I worked there, 70 elders or so. But you, like, you know that when Rick just, was on is so CNN, much more real, when you know? I used to watch
0: him on CNN, he would do that. He would use his hands and he was very much <laughs> into the screen. And you were like, I, liked I, 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 I when I was in my dressing room, when I was doing my talk show, I would watch you all the time. And I just Thanks, found man. it very enjoyable that, 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 uh, that you were that way. And to see you now after so many years and to still see you that way, uh, kudos, man. Respect to you.
2: Yeah, I remember you and I, Phil Kett called me one day and he goes, George Lopez, we got George Lopez. He's going to do a talk show for us. And I said, really, Phil, that's so awesome. And then he was going to invite you to a basketball game. We were going to go watch the Atlanta Hawks play right. together. Me, you, and Phil. Yep. And, and then we did. And then there was another one. And 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 then he asked you. Then he asked you. knowing people, that you were going to be a part of my team made me feel so cool, man? I was honored. And then I, I I'm, a, he, I'm a fan of yours. I think he
0: asked you. So do people know who he is? And you said Phil. He has a fucking show named George Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> He was the nerdiest son of a
2: bitch I've ever known. But, you know, hey, it is what it is. Uh, he was the boss there.
0: I I, I Turner. I thought that uh, my tenure there at uh at TBS might have been uh skewed by some some politics there, you know. That that went. Mine was,
2: too, my friend. Yeah. And and you know what? Um I was so pissed off when that did not come to fruition or when it ended or whatever it did. I, it was one of the first things that set me off that started me on this train toward this company is not as diverse as they say they are and they talk a big game and one day
0: I'm, this is going to get out and it did and I got fired. <laughs> so yeah.
2: I, I think you may have led to my firing, George. You owe well, me a couple of bucks on this I, one, I probably so. do.
0: But uh, but you know, no one left the show during, we found out kind of uh, in June that we weren't coming back and I think the last shows were kind of in the beginning of August, and nobody left to find another job until the show was over. And when it was over, they gave us 36 hours to clear out the offices, which I thought was a bit funny. Jesus, it? you know, I thought it was. Yeah, a bit, uh, yeah. That's and, how they told you. Yep. I mean, yeah. And I mean, huh. you know, you had Prince on the show. I mean, I, I mean, I had uh, your before. show was fantastic. Amazing. I watched it. Most people watched it. I don't understand why
2: they missed why they construed it the way they did. And
0: what did they tell you? Um, I think that they got sold a bill of goods on Conan O'Brien. That wasn't true. And yeah. once they moved me to uh, midnight, where they didn't need Conan, but I also think that Jay Leno uh, going to ten o'clock. Uh, once he was relieved of his duties as the Tonight Show host and having to go back on TV when he should have just taken his money and gone away, set everything in motion. If he had just gone away, I'm not sure if I would still be there now, but it wouldn't have ended the way it ended. I think these guys, the executives, that they got sold uh, a story that wasn't true and they all bought into the story. Yeah, yeah.
2: And and I... I it, I don't like Conan O'Brien to this day because of that, but that's because I'm a pissed off Latino. You want to talk about as failing you up? Me the other day when <laughs> you did the promo, there's a <laughs> lot
0: of uh, yeah, there's a lot of failing up, and uh, you know, I would I would like the opportunity to fail up at least one time in my in my life <laughs> in my
2: career. Mm. I want to fail up. Well, once. they told me, you know, they said, you know. Uh, you're a big ratings getter, Sanchez. So every time we've got a hole at primetime, we're just going to stick you there so you can raise the ratings. And they did it when they got rid of Campbell Brown, and they did it when they got rid of Paula Zahn. They put me there, but then they replaced me with somebody else. And then finally, the last time was they had put me there, and and we were doing really phenomenal ratings, the highest ratings in the network at the time. And then they said, you know what? We're going we're gonna to save you for the next time. We're going to give that job now, that 8 o'clock primetime show, we're going to give it to Elliot Spitzer, the former somewhat disgraced uh, Ooh, ex-governor wow. of New York. And, and and that's when I went on my little tirade I went on a radio show and I said, you know, this isn't fair. And then they fired me the next day. So you know, it, 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 it was kind of like that. I mean, yours was Conan O'Brien. Mine was Elliot it, Spitzer. Even but Jack Cafferty,
0: we just- you know, even Jack Cafferty and the Cafferty file that this guy would prepare these stories that had a beginning, a middle and an end. And just mm-hmm. what was it three minutes at the end of an hour? I mean, pretty. Imp- I mean, you know, you guys were doing. That's that, that's that's a news person doing their work. You know, on the day that Bernard Shaw got rest his soul, uh, passed away. Bernard Shaw mm-hmm. and you guys were. You were newsmen, newspeople. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we we were doing we were doing serious news and getting serious ratings and 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 one of the cool things I remember John Klein calls me up to his office, the president of CNN up at the, the Time Warner building where you did all your deals. And and Klein calls me up one day and he goes, "I want you to know something. Your show is now the first show in the history of the network that's had the highest non-white ratings." You're getting Latinos, you're getting African-Americans, you're getting everybody that we've always wanted to be able to reach. And part of it was the whole social media thing we were doing. But it was pretty cool to be told that by the president of the network that we're doing, you know, these ratings. And then and then I go and talk to the other dude, the president of uh, Turner or whatever, and he says to me, I said, you know, John says that my ratings are good. And he says, yeah, but ratings don't matter here because we live by subscriptions, <laughs> which is true. Yeah. The only thing they care about is how many people are subscribed that watch them And he literally told me, ratings don't matter. I was like, what? I mean, what the hell? If my show's doing better ratings than the other one, that doesn't matter? No, it doesn't matter.
0: Okay, then I guess it doesn't matter. Well, I love seeing you, Matt. Thank you. It was wonderful to to reconnect with you. I think, as always, uh, I I love your uh, spirit. I love how you uh, uh, present yourself. And uh, I will be a listener of your uh, podcast and a follower of your media.
2: Well, you know what you should be is can you can you come? I, I would love to return the favor and interview you as well. Absolutely. And, uh,
0: you know, uh, I would love to do that, man. I'm, I'm a big fan of you guys. Thank I appreciate you. it. I, 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 I'm doing a show at NBC right now with my daughter, Mayan, my uh my 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 one child. And she's cute as a bug. I love it. I've been watching it. I think a, it's fantastic. And, and I
2: love the, the chemistry between uh, you guys. And you. The, the, the shit she says about you is funny. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It was a true honor to meet you and share this time with you, uh, the people that you've been involved with in your career. Uh,
2: God bless you. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Gal. I appreciate it. Thanks. Appreciate it, guys.